The Bible says all the world will hear the gospel. Well, if you think about it, guys, all the world, if we're taking it naturally, has heard the gospel because we got Bibles everywhere, churches everywhere, radio everywhere, television everywhere. But what's going to happen is is there is going to be a confirmation of the word of God with signs and wonders and miracles in such a unique way that the world won't hear it through the airwaves as much as they'll hear it from people at work and people in their neighborhood. There'll be house gatherings where people will be, blind eyes will be opening and drug addicts will be set free. We're talking about going into the greatest revival in the history of the church. How many ready? Say amen. Let me tell you something. God is speaking to the world right now. And if God gives you a song or gives you ability to preach or gives you the ability to make money, we need to make sure we need to get rid of the pride and the arrogance that's in the church. We need to get rid of it now. And we need to say, God, use us as servants to the people so that we can give him all the praise and him all the glory. Somebody shout amen. Not only is the Bible shouting out to us, not only is, is the world shouting out to us, the bridegroom is coming. Jerusalem itself is cry, shouting out, pay attention. I'm proving to the world that everything I said is true, including the coming of my son. Every word God says, it will come to pass. And God is shouting to the world and to the church. We are the last generation. The Messiah is coming while we're still alive. Can I have an amen? Read with me in Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 30. This is Jesus saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose him and bring him here. And if anyone asks you why you are loosening him, thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of him. So those who were sent departed and found it just as he had said to them, But as they were uh, loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own garments on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, they spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, then the stones would immediately cry out. One of the translations says, If my people won't praise me, the rocks will praise me. A couple years ago, right when we came to start this church in Dallas, I was asked to come to Israel by the Israeli government and by the Jerusalem Post, the main newspaper in Jerusalem, and the tourist department because they'd heard our love for Israel, and they asked if I would come over and, and number one, write some articles for the newspaper about why I love Israel, but also to do some television commercials on on why we we as christians should come to israel and so we've gone to the normal places thereby goes the western wall the temple steps and all the other things but then they said let's go across the street now picture here's the temple mound right here 
you're facing down into the desert where the goat would go down to break the curse. There's a street right opposite the temple steps where all the tour buses park. And for years and years and years, it's always been just kind of low-rent houses and and shacks, and it's been owned by uh, the Arab community. Well, a couple years ago, some Jewish people bought those shacks and bought that rundown area, and they began to dig a parking lot so more tourists could park to come and see the Temple Mount. While they were digging the parking lot, they uncovered some ancient stones. I went there about a year after they began the excavation, and we were standing right there, and there was these ancient stones. Now, they'd gone in to dig a parking lot, but God said, if my people won't praise me, I'm going to make the rocks praise me. So they went in to dig a parking lot. They uncovered some stones. They began to do research. They dug down deeper and deeper and deeper. And as I was standing there, they said right below where you're standing, and they had an area cut out, they said they found some, some scrolls that, that have names from thousands of years ago that our scholars or the world scholars have always said didn't exist. Names like Jeremiah, names like David, names like Solomon. One biblical scholar said, King David is just as real as King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. In other words, they're saying that your Bible is a bunch of fairy tales that people put together just to make people believe what they wanted to believe. But Jesus said, if my people won't praise me, I will make the stones cry out and the stones will give praise to God and give praise to his word. Everything God does, he does in pairs, the physical and the spiritual. In 1903, there was the first meeting of Jews called Zionists run by Theodore Herschel that met in England and said, we must bring the Jews back to Israel. This first meeting was in 1903. At the same time, almost exactly the same moment, in 1903, a man by the name of Brother Seymour was bringing a revival to the United States that swept the world called the Azusa Street Revival. So at the same time that Israel is saying we must have our promised land, the physical, God is bringing through Brother Seymour, an African-American evangelist and pastor, the revival that changed the world. In 1948, Israel became the homeland of the Jews for the first time in 2,000 years. At the same time in 1948, a revival broke out across the world that's labeled, labeled the Holy Spirit Renewal. In 1967, Israel regained Jerusalem for the first time since it was torn down by Rome 40 years after Jesus. In 1967, in Switzerland and Sweden, there was the beginning of what's called the charismatic movement. Now we see in Israel the Jewish people preparing according to the scriptures for the coming of the Messiah at the same time that the Christian church is coming back to its Jewish roots for the first time in 1700 years. There's been prophecies that there will be four movements of the Holy Spirit in this century. The first one in 1903, the next one in 1948, the third one in 1967, and the fourth one was prophesied 
prophesied that when Christians come back to their Jewish roots and you and I are going to begin the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as never before, it will be the final outpouring. Somebody ought to shout amen. Now watch this. As I was over in Jerusalem filming this for the government, I look, uh, they said right below you, they just found a couple days ago a box with the seals of Jeremiah the prophet. Now you got to remember that most people have said Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and King David, these are fables. These stories about the Jeremiah doing this and Jeremiah doing that and David doing this, they're made up for man. And there has been no physical evidence, just written words, that these people exist. But Jesus said, if my people won't praise me, I'm going to make the rocks cry out and give praise to God. They were digging a parking lot found some ancient buildings. As they begin to dig down to see what these ancient buildings are, they uncovered a box. It had the seal of Jeremiah's scribe, Baruch. In the times of of the Babylonian Empire, Jeremiah prophesied that to Jerusalem, if you don't repent and begin to serve God, then God will send the Babylonians in, and they will come in and bring you into captivity. But after 70 years you will return. In, in, in the eyes of the, of, of the Jews, they were so devastated. And so Jeremiah said, to prove to you that I know that we'll return over that hill, and I stood right where that was, over that hill, I will buy land, and I will send my servant Baruch, and he will pay for that land, and he will seal it with, a, with my seal. And that will prove to you that I know that even if we go into captivity, we will return. That sounds like a fast fascinating story but just a couple years ago while they're digging a parking lot they uncovered a box and there was the seal of jeremiah just like it said in jeremiah 38 and jesus said i will make the stones cry out and praise me not only did they find the seal of jeremiah but they found the seal of the two princes of the king at that time that said we don't want to hear this bad news and they took their seal jeremiah 38 and they sealed jeremiah's fate and put jeremiah in prison they as they unopened that box they found the two seals of the prince sealing the documents putting jeremiah in prison and jeremiah's seal by his servant baruch saying that we will return and 70 years later exactly as god said it god returned israel and told nehemiah i want you to rebuild my walls now watch this the history historians say that there is no history of king david like i said one one bible scholar said king david is a good story but he's no more real than king arthur and the knights of the round table as they were digging in this wall the first thing they found after the box they found pottery that was from the time of king david and solomon Next, as they dug further to the west, they found a wall, and as they began to excavate it, they found, found remains that prove that this wall is the palace of King David. As they begin to dig further, they found evidence and proof that they found the first wall of the first 
temple. Now, a lot of scholars said, well, you're just saying it's David's temple. You're just saying it's uh, Solomon's temple. You're just saying it's David's palace. You can't prove it. And right after that, the Bible says in Isaiah 49 that God would speak of King Cyrus and he would release the captives from Babylon to go back and build the temple wall. Now, they found the walls. But they had no proof that it was just by their theory that it was David. As they dug further, they found proof that the wall that was on top of the torn down wall is literally the walls of Nehemiah, exactly the way King Cyrus said. And at the same time, in Iran, they found a scroll that had King Cyrus's words that I will release the Jews from captivity and they are to obey God and go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. God is saying to Arabs, God is saying to Muslims, God is saying to Jews, God is saying to Christians, if you won't believe me, I will make the walls that are 4,000 years old cry out and prove that I am the God of my word. Somebody shout amen. A couple years ago, The Muslims at the Temple Mound were seen throwing rubbish into trucks, stones off the Temple Mound. Jews fouled them and they dumped it out in the desert. As they looked at these these stones, they realized that these stones just a couple years ago were 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 stones of the from the Temple Mount because Muslims have been saying there is no history, there is no evidence that at the Dome of the Rock there ever was a temple. That's just Jewish fabrication. And so they secretly took these stones and dumped them into the desert. But Jewish people followed them. They got these stones and they said these are ancient stones. These are exactly what would have been at the temple. But the world said you have no proof that that's what they are. And somebody was digging a house two and a half miles away, dug, a, dug into it. The earth caved in and it opened up into a giant quarry. And they found where King Herod had quarried the stone for this first temple. And when everybody was saying there is no proof that these stones are Herod's stones, they found Herod's quarry. And these stones that were built for the temple matched exactly exact match for the ones they're taking off the temple mount the stones will cry out and praise me now watch this in john chapter 9 this is all happening the last couple of years in john chapter 9 there's a story about jesus healing a man who was blind from birth at the pool of shalom many bible scholars say this is just a fantasy it's just john using some kind of analogy about Jesus spitting into the mud, putting it into the blind man's eyes, and telling him to go wash in the pool of Siloam because there is no pool of Siloam. There is a pool that tourists have gone to for years and years and years, but the reality of it is, is that pool was built by Constantine's mother-in-law, who was a Christian, because they couldn't find any pool of Siloam. But just a couple years ago, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, they were digging in to repair a water pipe. All of a sudden, the ground under the water pipe caved in, and they started seeing stairs going down into the ground. They excavated it out, and they found a pool that was 225 feet wide. 
hand-hewed by man with stairs going down in sets of five so that hundreds and hundreds of people could come into the pool and come out at the same time because tradition was is that on the way to the temple before they got to the mound they would go and they would dump themselves in the pool to cleanse themselves three times a year to go up to the temple and so when they when the when the ground caved in they excavated it and they found the original pool of Salome that not only not only proves that the Old Testament is true but it proves what Jesus said was true and at, watch this but as they're digging it something else caved in another side of the hill caved in and they found a road that has been buried for thousands of years and as they dug it they found it to be the only road from the pool of Siloam to the temple steps. So this would be the very road that Jesus Christ would have walked on when he spit in the mud and put it in the blind man's eyes and said, now walk down into the pool and wash your eyes. And they said, who is this man? Isn't this the guy who was blind since his birth? And he said, I'm telling you something. A man named Jesus who was on his way to the temple on this very road spoke to me and I wash my eyes and now I can see folks Jesus said if my people won't praise me I'm gonna make the rocks cave in and I'll make the rocks praise me and praise my word somebody shout amen in 2nd Kings 12 it talks about great battles and great things that happen on a coastal town in the Bible by the name of Gat but once again everybody said This proves the Bible is a fairy tale. We have looked and looked and looked. There is no place called Gat. But once again, they were digging to put in a building and the ground caved in again just a couple years ago and as they begin to dig it out they found Gat on the south coast of Israel Gat is the place where Goliath was born Gat is the place that Samson was born Gat is the place that Samuel the prophet was Gat is the place that King Saul was Gat was the place that King David was but in these last days God is saying not only is my word true but Goliath was real Samson was real David was real Saul was real Solomon was real and just as I'm proving that's real my second coming is real and this generation will see that happen somebody ought to shout amen now watch this there has never been any proof that David had, King David has existed There's the story in the Bible where King David is coming to take the ancient city, what we call now Jerusalem, or the city of David. The city of David was built on a right below the tent where the Temple Mound is today. If you've been there, it's a real steep city. And, and they built it right on that steep cliff so no one could attack him. So David was coming up and he realized that there's no way that his soldiers could scale these walls. And so the Bible says that the David's men found a well, that there was a well there that they dug a, 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 a tunnel down to so that if the city was besieged, they could drop their buckets in and bring up the water. 
Now, according to historians, this is all a fairy tale. There is no Gihon Springs. There is no tunnel. There is no well that David's men crawled up in the secret of the night and took over the seats of uh, uh, or the uh, gates of Jerusalem. There is none. But there was a British soldier not many years ago by the name of Warren who said, I know the Bible is true. And he dug down and he found what's now called Warren's Well, where David's men at the base of, and as they uncovered it, they found the Gion Springs that had been covered by rubble and covered by years, centuries. And they, they, they uncovered it. But they said, well, well, yeah, this is a well, but there's no proof that it's Gion Springs, and it's no proof that it's the well that David's men came up, because there's no proof of the city of David being here. And a couple years ago when I was filming, Joseph, who was here Wednesday, we were standing, Joseph's been there his entire life living in Jerusalem, and you walk down this long hand-hewed staircase on the stone you get down to what's called warren's well where supposedly in theory david's men snuck up this 14 foot or 18 foot well and seized the gates of jerusalem but they said there's no there's no way that could happen that's just a that's just a well you guys found joseph and i were standing there we were looking at it we were filming i was doing something and all of a sudden these soldiers israeli soldiers are standing there looking And instead of going back up the staircase, which Joseph said he's done hundreds of times, the soldiers standing there looking at the well all of a sudden went to our right and they went around a big boulder wall and disappeared. And Joseph said, where did they go? For Since Joseph's lived there, you have to go back up. But all of a sudden these soldiers came around a corner and they disappeared so we followed them around and when we came around there were men digging and wood scaffolding and we looked around the corner not 20 feet from that well they have just discovered the original gates of Jerusalem the very gates that David said his men had conquered folks Jesus said if you don't believe me I'm going to make history I'm going to make rock shout out and say my My word is the word of God. Somebody ought to give the Lord a clap offering. I can't tell you what it felt like. We are standing there and I'm telling you, it's still, you got to realize for thousands of years, dirt has built up. How many ladies know go without dusting for a month? We'll talk about winds and, 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 and storms. And armies pushing the city down. You're talking about most of that city has been buried under 30, 40 feet of dirt and rock and rubble. And I can't tell you what it felt like. I just left where they found the seal of Jeremiah. I just left where they found the seal of the two princes that locked Jeremiah in prison. We walked down Warren's shaft and we're standing there. And Joseph said, well, we got to go back up. And these two soldiers walked around the corner and we followed them and we came came around the corner it was like the raiders of lost ark there it was the original 
gates of Jerusalem that the world says is a fantasy. The world says is a fairy tale. And David's men never came up. And there there were workers with little picks and brushes. And there in front of us was the gates of Jerusalem. And just as real as God spoke to me and said, just as real as David went through those gates, Jesus is going through those gates. And it's going to happen in your lifetime. Somebody give the Lord a shout. With all these things that we see, the spiritual things, the physical things, the, 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 the two brides, the two tabernacles, the two messiahs, and we go on and on and on, the stones crying out. The greatest voice that proves the Bible is true and that Jesus is coming is the people of Israel themselves. Joseph and I were talking, and he said, Larry, do you realize that in, 19, in the 1960s, there were not even 50 Jews who believed in Jesus. And he said, today in my office in Jerusalem, with one, within one square kilometer, there are 11 Hebrew-speaking congregations that know Jews, 11 congregations in one square kilometer that know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. In Israel, they just did a survey. In Israel, now because they see the Christian loving Israel, they see the Christian, many Christians, coming back to the Jewish roots of a Jewish Jesus, not a Gentile Jesus. For, for 2,000 years, the church has been the enemy. The New Testament has been the enemy. They just did a survey in, in Israel, and now 70 to 80 Jewish homes in Israel have not only an Old Testament, but a New Testament in their home. When a soldier... A young Jewish man or a young Jewish woman goes into the military, which is mandatory. When a soldier goes into the military, now mandatory, part of their training is to stand to walk the Via Della Rosa where Jesus shed his blood seven times and to end that day at the church, what's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where, where they, they, many believe Jesus died on the cross and was buried. Part of a Jewish soldier, their mandatory teaching is the story of Jesus Christ, is the story of the one the Christians call the Prince of Peace. They stand there and heard the story of Jesus. They then go to their, to their final ceremony, and they are given a choice for an Old Testament or an Old and a New Testament. 70 to 80% of the homes in Israel now have the New Testament. And when they take that Bible to go back to their barracks or go back to their home, their commander tells them these words, read that Bible and use the Holy Scriptures to show you how to use the gun. Use the Bible before you use the gun because they know the only way to get peace in the Middle East is not through a gun but through a supernatural presence of the Messiah who the Christians call the Prince of Peace. Somebody ought to shout amen. Now let me close in this. 
Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. As I'm reading all this and I'm studying all this and I see how close we are, this leaped into my spirit. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 12. So they're all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking and saying, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, we've read this a a thousand times if you've been a Christian, but I want you to see it just a little bit different today. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, stop right there and look at me. We know this was true on the day the first church was birthed. I believe the latter rain of the last church is going to be greater than the outpouring on the first church. Remember when Jesus said, you see what I've done? Greater than these shall you do because I go to be with my father. And we read in the book of Acts and we read in here of the signs and the wonders and miracles. And yet I want to remind you that the Lord said the latter rain is going to be greater than the farmer. You say, well, how could it be greater? How could we do greater miracles than Jesus? We can't do greater, but we can do more. Because one will send a thousand fleeing. Two will send 10,000 fleeing. How many will the whole church that comes back to the miracle of the Jewish roots realize the power and the anointing of God? Look at what this says. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Look at this. This is where God jumped on me. And your sons, look at me. Do you have sons and daughters that aren't serving God? That curse is going to be broken. Your sons, your daughters, come on, somebody shout amen. I don't care if your kids are backslid. I don't care if your kids are on drugs. I don't care what the world says about your kids. Read this prophecy of the latter rain being greater than the former. Your sons. And your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall dream, see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. If you got a husband that is not saved, I'm telling you, this year, your kids are getting saved. Your grandkids are getting saved. Your husband's getting saved. Your wife's getting saved. God says, not your, but your. Somebody say mine. Say my children. My family. What does the Lord say? You and your family will be saved. I claim it right now in the name of Jesus. Go with me one last scripture, the book of Titus. If you don't know where Titus is, it's right next to the book of Moses. Right before the book of Hebrews. Titus chapter 1 verse 1, and I close with this. Paul, a servant of God an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledgement of the truth, which is according to godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. But as in due time, in his appointed season, manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me, according to the commandment, of God our Savior.
You know, as I started this prophecy series, I had no idea where God was going to take me. But as I began to study through the ancient teachings of the bridegroom and the bride, of the suffering servant and the reigning Messiah, as I began to study about the two tabernacles, first he has to build it spiritually so we can tear down the wall between Christian and Jew so we can be in one place before the coming of the Messiah, that we could have 24-7 the supernatural anointing power of God that our music would be so anointed people driving by would feel the presence of God and be drawn in. Folks, we've seen this in history. We've seen this. I've read of the great revivals, the Azusa revival and the, the 1948 renewal revival and the 67 charismatic. I've read the stories where a, 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 a man, a God would be riding by a city or a town on a train, not even get off. And the whole town would fall to its knees. Taverns would turn into tabernacles, bartenders into preachers. Young men and young women begin raise up to be missionaries. And this was just a sprinkling. But we are at the end of the end of the end of the end times. We see it happening. What did Rabbi Schneerson say? He said the Messiah is ready to come. But he's going to come because of the Gentiles. He said they don't even know they're ready yet. But there's going to be such an outpouring of God's miracle power on the Gentiles because they've returned to the Lord and they've returned to the Noahide laws and they've returned to the miracle of the Sabbath that Jews who have walked away look at them and say, why are you doing what we're doing? And they will see such favor of God on your life. It will provoke them. It will stimulate them to come back to the Lord. And as they come back to the Lord and we come back to the Lord, that middle wall will be destroyed and we will begin to dwell in the supernatural presence of God that begins now in Jesus name somebody ought to give the Lord a clap offering if you don't know church history then then perhaps it doesn't hit you like like it does me but you've got to understand to say that that middle wall would come down that Jews and Gentiles would all be worshiping through the Messiah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's historically impossible. Everything the Jew has gone through in the last, just think of the Holocaust, the Inquisition, that's been the church. And now all of a sudden you and I are repairing the breach and that wall is coming down. Most of America needs a revival. Most of Israel needs a revival and by us tearing down that wall we are fulfilling the prophecy that's thousands of years old the scriptures are proving themselves the stones are crying out and saying i told you david existed they just found i didn't give i i i had such a list of things that have just been discovered we were in we were in tiberius Joseph and I were walking along uh, the street, and, and they were digging a parking lot across from the hotel at the Sea of Galilee. They found, they found a, 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 some ancient stones digging a parking lot. Joseph and I, under, I've, got, I've got pieces of pottery and glass. We weren't supposed to be in there, but we're not under the law. 
Everybody's in the hotel. Joseph and I were under digging that. Well, they had just started. Now they found a whole Roman amphitheater. They found a whole city where the Sanhedrin fled from Jerusalem and put their, the Sanhedrin council there. I've got, I've got pieces of pottery from that, pieces of Roman glass from that. It was spoken about. There's a great, there's a great historian by the name of Josephus that spoke about that. And they said, you see, even Josephus was a liar because there's no city there. They found it. Why? Because, because the Lord is saying to the Jewish brothers and sisters, I know you're not, I know you're not worshiping me. I know you wonder where I went, but I'm going to make these stones prove that I am the Messiah. And it's happening. Let me tell you one more story. The miracle that you and I are living in right now it's not, listen, I don't, I don't teach the, the Shabbat. I don't teach these things because it's, it's, it's just this new thing. It is fulfillment of prophecy that we tear down that middle wall so that the Messiah can come and rule and reign forever. I may have told this story here. I'm not sure. But we see this happen all the time. I took, I took a group, a tour to Israel. And this is the first time that we'd taken our kids and so we put them up. We were, we'd been in Jerusalem. We were down at the Dead Sea, and everybody was checking in. And so I grabbed Tiz and the kids, and we went down to the Dead Sea while everybody was checking in because my kids had never, had never been in the Dead Sea. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's so thick with salt, you can't sink. And, and it's kind of a joking thing in that I can't float. You know, I float like a, a, a hunk of lead. And so I'm in there, and Dad's floating. Dad's floating. And so we're all laughing and, and everything. It's just, it's really a neat, neat place. And I watched this older Jewish gentleman. He was sitting uh, or kind of standing in the water. His wife was on, sitting on the, on the beach. And I, I watched him watching us. And he comes in the water a little deeper, comes in the water, and he starts kind of swimming towards us. We were, we were, you know, 15, 20 feet away. And he's watching us and watching us. And I notice that a big smile comes on his face and he says is this your family and I said yeah this is my wife and my my son my daughter my son-in-law and he says it's so good to see a family having fun together and he was just kind of chit-chatting and I could tell he was wanting to ask something around my neck I have a a cross and the Mogam Vita, star of David and so he's kind of chit-chatting and I could tell he wanted to say something funny he said can I ask you something and I said, sure. He said, around your neck. He said, that's a, a, a Christian cross, right? And I said, yeah. And he says, and the Mogan David, a star of David? And I said, yeah. He said, how can that be? And so I began to tell him about my Jewish Jesus. I began to tell him about how Jesus didn't come to do away with the Torah, but to graft us in and adopt us in. I come to tell him that Jesus didn't come to have Jews leave Judaism and become idolaters, but Jesus came to pay the price that we could all enjoy the blessings of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This man probably was 70 years old. Tears started coming down his cheeks. He said, you know, he said, I'm getting older. He said, I'm looking for God. He said, I can't become what I've seen in Christianity because there's, there's idols. They pray to more than one God. 
He said, I can't become orthodox. I don't, oh, who wants to wear black all the time and be bound by legalism? He said, this God, this Jewish Jesus, I could listen to him. We went through the hotel and changed, came down for dinner. Everybody eats in this big ballroom. And this, this gentleman and his wife found Luke and found Brad and pulled him aside. And for two hours, asked him all about Jesus, all about this Jewish Jesus, this Jewish Messiah. And we're able to tell him, you know, he came the first time as a servant. But the second time, he's coming as a king. And he wants you coming with him. How many are ready to go? Do you receive that today? Give the Lord a great big clap offering. Amen.